We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we've got some uh, mailbag to get to. I have had the comments closed the entire time, Brian. So this is going to be uh, all surprise to me, which I'm looking forward mm. to. So let's do this. Uh, Aiden Benami with the super chat. Thank you very much. How about Parker Wright retweeting, retweeting. Brian's article? Love it. Well, I, you know, I I feel bad for Jared Parker. I do because the criticism of him this year was not objective at all or fair right i mean i still people saw he's a terrible play caller oh he's had some moments like a lot do and like there were I mean, yesterday I'm, I'm watching kellen DeBoer was one of the best offensive minds in the game like why are you throwing there on third down run the ball run the clock out you're up you know what i mean you're up two score yeah. like what are you doing but he got no credit for all the good things that happened this year and nothing but trashed online and it was incredibly disappointing to see the vitriol that was thrown his way. He didn't deserve that. Did he deserve some criticism at times? Absolutely. No right. question. But the 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 just the nastiness that I've seen kind of grow in Notre Dame fandom in the last year is really disappointing. I thought we were better than that. And most of us are. But there were some that was just like, well, this is just really nasty. And... It was unfair. So in his, that's kind of where that came from for him, I believe, is just some of that. Now that he's gone, he can kind of defend himself a little bit. And um, I hope – but I hope he can focus on Troy. Right. And not let it's, that stuff – you know. You know what? He's stepping into a great opportunity. Yes, he is. At Troy. That is not yes, a is. normal uh, job opportunity because he's stepping into a program that is like 23-4 and four or something mm-hmm. over the last couple of seasons – Normally, you're stepping into a rebuild, and that is not the case. Um, and so I, I'm really hopeful that he's able to just kind of step in, stay the course, change some things, do, you know, make it his, yeah. obviously, yeah. but then also continue with the success right. that they've had down there. That Well, it's like Brandon said. He goes, I like Park as a person and coach, just don't prefer him as an OC at Notre Dame. And that's fair. I mean, that, that's totally fine. To say that Jared Parker's not a championship caliber offensive coordinator is a very fair thing to say because he he hasn't been. 
Right. And even for all the good things we saw this year, it wasn't championship worthy. Otherwise, they'd be in the championship because the defense was certainly there. Right. It's just it, so it's it's totally fine to say, hey, Notre Dame needed to be better at offensive coordinator. Agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Jared Parker is an offensive a championship caliber coach. Okay, it's very fair. I'm not even going to push back against that because he hasn't proven that he's capable of it. I may say, hey, I think he showed me some potential here, 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 and here, and that's fine. That's a we can have that. But like, he didn't show himself to be a championship coach this year because the offense is the thing that kept him from there. It's the it's the the nastiness that was thrown his way. Yeah, is really the thing that that bothers me. Just the fact that they would just ignore anything good that happened, like they were scoring thirty nine points a game in spite of him this season. Like this is a team that barely scored thirty points a game last year, and they come out this year and they score thirty nine points a game, and and people are acting as if it was like by accident or because they scored a bunch of points in a cup. Like look. They scored 66 points against New Mexico in 2019 and 56, 59 against Bowling Green and still scored three less points per game than this year's defense offense did. <laughs> against a schedule that in which Notre Dame went 10-2 and two that year and, and beat one ranked team all year, and that was Navy. Much weaker schedule than what they faced this year. right? But hey, here's the deal. It wasn't good enough. And it's okay to say that. But you can say that without just turning it into just god-awful treatment and that was the disappointing thing it's just agreed and, and maybe it's just a twitter thing maybe it's just that and it could be it's that part of it i mean it's part of it but you know yeah but it it's was, also it was also uh very evident in like text messages i would get and yeah. things like that but i think a lot of that that's is what makes me by twitter but yeah yeah i mean it's, well because that the, people follow some of those for sure accounts that say that ignorant stuff Right, and, and Twitter's the real world world. So no, it's not. People don't even that. say that jokingly. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, I didn't have with another super chat. Thank you very much. Four roster spots left to get to 85. Go huskies with the praying emoji yes afterwards. yeah i'll be pulling for them three right isn't it 88 right now 
Well, I'm looking it up. It's it's 88, but um, let me let me pull up the scholarship chart here real quick. It's 88, but I think that there's some expectations of Luke Talich will get a scholarship at some point in time this year. Okay. And I think there's expectations they're going to add at least one guy okay. from the portal. Okay. So, yeah. So maybe five. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 88 now. Those two kids get added. A DB, Luke Talich, you now got to get – which won't be a problem. I mean – I'm not going to point him out, but there's some easy people on that list that you're like, I'll be surprised if that guy's on the team in the fall. Just, Fair. I mean, just some injury history guys, some potential 60 year guys. Like I don't take you off the list until you've until announced that you're not. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. But there's some guys that we very clearly don't expect to be back next year. Yeah. I, I was so, actually going to ask you about one of the guys as I was looking at the scholarship chart earlier today, yeah, I was like, left to, you left really? to text it too. Well, really? again, I don't take anybody off until it's no, no, out no. that they're not Absolutely. coming back. And by the way, the speed at which you take these guys off when they announce is pretty impressive. Sometimes, sometimes like two days later, I'm like, Oh, I still have Aldrich Estime on the roster. It's wishful thinking. Yeah. Whoopsie. So oh, it's good. Uh, Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you so much for the super chat. I laugh that I'm labeled Mr. Negative and I'm like, man, the future is super bright. Great season. In my opinion, Rome wasn't built in the day, but Freeman is building his butt off. Happy new year's. I be. Well, Charlie, we appreciate you, man. It's just that sometimes you get in those moods. <laughs> he does. Where just everything sucks. Yeah. And I get it. And sometimes it's completely understandable. I mean, like I, I, I just said this in the in the on the chat last, or not in the chat, but on the message board last night. And I'm like, Notre Dame set an all-time record in scoring, shattered the record. You had a quarterback that had the best single season quarterback rating since Jimmy Clausen in 09. That was Actually, I'm gonna look it up here real quick. His uh, his passer rating number this year was, I believe, third or fourth best all time at Notre Dame. Let me let me find it here. It was passer rating. Yard his yards per attempt was tenth was in the top ten, and the guys that were ahead of him were like 64, 49, 54, 58. You know what I mean? Like it was a long time ago. And let me go fought passer rating. Let me go. Okay, his passer rating. Sam Hartman this year had the third best passer rate, single season passer rating in Notre Dame history. Top 10 in yards per attempt. And we're going to look at his season and just be like, it was, you know, Audric Mestimate does what he does. And then you're, you're going to look at all these things and we're like, how did they lo lose three games? That's the frustration is, is that. It's all these things are true. I mean, Hartman did have a record, you know, a, like a, a top statistical season. Audric was phenomenal. Joe Walt was phenomenal. The points, the per game, all this kind of stuff. It's all great. It's all encouraging. But then you look at it and you're like, how the freaking heck did they lose nine, nine, three games with this team? That's the frustrating part. So, yeah. so I get it this year because, like you said, the expectations were higher and they should have been better. Part of the reason that the expect that, that there's such excitement externally for Notre Dame is because outsiders didn't have the same expectations for Notre Dame this year. Sure. So in a, in a lot of people's eyes, outside of Notre Dame fandom, this team overachieved. They were better this year than expected. It just for a lot of us who thought that you know nine and three was not good enough, it's going to be considered disappointing. Mm -hmm. But to his point, you love the foundation of Marcus Freeman is laying. Now we just got to find out if he can take the next steps. And so far this offseason to me has been great. 
overall yes. on the whole been great for I Marcus agree. Freeman. I I mean he has a singular focus going into the offseason. Yeah. And and during the regular season too, because he made it very clear as like we we've scouted these guys, we know who's probably going to be in the port, you know, all of those different mm-hmm. things. Like, and so when it happened, when those guys made it official, Notre Dame was like, that's my guy. Right. We're going to go get him," And they did. And I don't know, like, I don't know the behind the scenes, but I feel like they're pretty close to batting a thousand with the guys that they wanted to bring in. Yeah. Um, close. Yeah. I, I think there was maybe a couple guys that they would have liked to have looked at that they didn't have much say in and, okay. but not at the positions they've actually hit like a receiver, like they they passed on Jamal Banks, they passed on Jeremiah Hunter, and and so they could have had one of them if they were willing to be patient. And wait, they could have had at least one of them. Sure, you know, but but yeah, I mean, they they wanted Chris Mitchell, they got him. They wanted Bo Collins, and they got him. They right. Riley Leonard was their number one guy. R.J. Oban was their top defensive end prospect. They went and got him. Right. So in in most instances, Vince, you are correct. I think right. there's a couple other guys they they would have liked to have maybe had a shot at that just weren't all that interested. That's but, fair. And, but, and, yeah. and then the coaching hires as well. I yeah. feel like oh, home runs also went yeah. to the, these are the guys I want. I'm going to go get them. And yeah. I feel like that's how it went. Down. Well, and even like, like the strength coach, I don't know that Lauren Landau was the number one choice. He was more in that top group of guys. Sure. So just because I don't think Marcus Freeman really knew a ton about him initially. That's partly why yeah. kind of like, Matt Bayless wasn't Brian Kelly's number one choice. Right. Because when Brian Kelly was originally looking for a strength coach, Matt Bayless had a job and he didn't go after him. It wasn't until Bob Diaco got fired that he then called Brian Kelly and said, Hey, you need to look at this Matt Bayless guy. And that's when Brian Kelly was like, I'm going to bring him in along with this guy from USC that I want to bring in. And the guy from USC balked because he didn't want to be, he had already been told he was going to kind of be the strength guy. And Kelly was like, no, I want you guys to kind of do it together. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. And it worked great. Right. So, and I, I, I've said before, Lauren Landau is a mystery to me because I just don't know a lot about him. That's and fair. I'm not a strength conditioning guy. Right. All I can say is the people that I know, professional athletes who have worked with him directly, rave about him, including people like Ryan Harris, who has a vested interest in Notre Dame being successful. It's good for him personally because he's a Notre Dame guy. It's good for him professionally, right? And he swears by Coach Landau. That matters to me. Ryan's opinion of an O-line coach and a strength coach matters to me, especially if it's someone he actually trained with. Like, think about it. For for seven years of his NFL career, him being in the best physical position he could be was the difference in him being employed or unemployed. And the person who he spent his money on – to train him to be the best he can be was Lauren Landau. That matters to me. And so that, that, that I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited about the potential of that hire, even though personally I can't vouch for him. Cause I, that's just not my world. Sure. Like I don't know what, <laughs> not many of our world so good. Yeah. I just know that he is. Cause I see the results and I talk to the sure. people that are part of the program. Sure. You know, but I couldn't tell you, well, the, the proper, you know, reps to rate weight rest ratios that they're using for their squat program or why they're this, that. And I, I couldn't tell you that, but I know what the end result needs to be. And the end result under Matt Bayless is excellent. And if Lauren Landau is as good as people tell me he is, that's going to be another great hire that Marcus Freeman made. And I'm, I'm knocking on wood that it is because yeah. you get that one wrong and it can undercut 
all the oh, other yeah. stuff. Oh, for sure. Michael S. Thanks for the super chat. Watching college football playoff. It seemed to me that all four teams seemed bigger, faster, and more accurate than Notre Dame. How far behind Notre Dame to compete for a title? Happy New Year. I don't. Yeah, think I don't agree with a true. lot of that. Yeah, I don't. I think mean, that's true at all. More accurate? Yes, yes. That's that's that's. First of all, Michael Penix is more accurate than any quarterback I've ever seen. The way he threw the deep ball yesterday, I've never seen a quarterback. Maybe Joe Burrow, nineteen. I've never seen a quarterback that accurate, but. I mean, look, I do not see teams that are bigger. I mean, at certain spots, they're bigger, but Notre Dame's bigger than them at other spots. Faster? No. I mean, that was the thing. That was the most eye-opening thing for me in the Bama-Michigan game yesterday is Bama's not that fast of a football team. I mean, they're just – they're not the team they used to be speed Bama looked just mediocre to me. Very mediocre. I'm sorry. And they just got physically whooped in the trenches by Michigan. Yeah. So, no, I, I just – that's what's part of Michael. That's what's so frustrating for me is that I don't think Notre Dame is behind those teams, that far behind those teams in those areas. They're they're further behind in coaching in some areas and the talent at certain positions. Like Notre Dame doesn't have Washington's receiving core. They don't have Washington's quarterback. There's no reason Notre Dame can't have their offensive line. There's no reason they can't have their defensive line and Notre Dame has a better secondary. Like Notre Dame has a better running back room. Notre Dame has a better tight end room, right? So there's a lot of places where Notre Dame is better than teams that were in the playoff. They're just not better at the positions that matter most. And we talked and about that's that. the difference. Right? Yeah, we talked about that. Right. Raymond Harton, thanks for the super chat. Lang Lu in the show today. Feeling Still feeling a bit lousy, but hope you guys and the rest of IB Nation had a great New Year's. Go Irish 2020. Well, I hope you feel better, Raymond. I'm I'm bummed that you're not feeling good, man. I, I can say, however, I feel your pain. And mm. I hope you uh hope it doesn't linger very long for you, buddy. Hope you feel better. Walk on carry off. Thanks for the super chat. You said it, Brian, when they needed the big play or the big playmaker, they were left lacking. Sam wasn't that guy. I think Leonard is is love or price, or a receiver, or two, I hope so. Right. I mean, look, with everything, it's all show me right now. I think Jeremiah Love can be a star. I think Jadarian Price can be a star. I think Jaden Cradhouse can be a star. I think Cam Williams can be a star. I think Jordan Faison can be a great number two in an offense, complementing others. I think the tight end room is loaded with two potential big-time All-American caliber tight ends in Mitchell Evans and Eli Raritan. So yeah, I think there's there's I think I think Chris Mitchell and Bo Collins could be very impactful for Notre Dame as new guys. I think there's a lot of talent at that position group, uh, but I think Kedron Young can be a star, but they got to show it. I mean, they all ha- there's not one proven star on the offense right now. Agreed. Just like there wasn't a proven star for Washington going into the 2022 season, they had to show it and earn it, and Michael Penix did. Yep. Ramon Roman Dunze did. Jalen McMillan did. And then this year, Jalen Polk did. Yeah. And, you know, Texas did not have a championship caliber quarterback coming into the season. Quinn Ewers proved himself to be that, but he wasn't coming into the year. He had to earn it. Right. They're running off. back. They're, they're, they're leading rusher coming into the season had fewer yards this year than both Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price and was only like 29 yards ahead of Jabron Payne in 2022. And he came out and became a star. Then he got hurt, and other guys stepped in and filled the void, right? It's all got to be earned. The thing that I'm saying is I believe 
and I think you are too, walk on, is the talent is there. That's the difference. And, and it doesn't require anyone to play out of their minds or be way better than you thought. Just be who I think you are, and this team could be really, really, really good. But at the end of the day, even if all those things are true, it's going to come down to how good is Riley Leonard. Yeah, That's the difference between you're a playoff hey. team that maybe wins a game against the 12 seed or you're a team that can make a run. That's the yeah. difference. Yep. This is funny. Joe so Poppity. Laugh. Thanks for the super chat. I blame Parker for everything. No, wait, Hartman. No, wait, Stucky. No, 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 Freeman. But in reality, I think Hartman was not as good as advertised. That's fair. He wasn't. Yeah, right. I mean, it's very fair. Yep. Very fair. That, that made me laugh, though. No, it's all on. It's all Parker. No, wait, hold on. No, it's all Hartman. Yeah. No, wait, no, it's all Stucky. Yeah. No, no, head coach Freeman's on him. Uh, you, you know what? Screw it. It's Hartman. <laughs> yeah, like where it. where did the vitriol come from? I love today? it. That's I love question. it. I love it. Raymond Harton, thanks for the super chat. Says we still love you, Vince. Yes, we do. Thanks, appreciate that, Raymond. I'll take it. Tyler Evans, thanks for the super chat. Favorite bowl game you watched, and one that was a nightmare to watch. Well, the nightmare was easy. That was Florida State. The Florida State one that was a nightmare to watch. That was yeah. hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, the, the best ones a toss up between the two games yesterday. To be honest with you, now. I didn't make it through the whole second game. I was exhausted. I went to bed at halftime. But the first game was really, really good. I mean, obviously, I was not rooting for Michigan to win that game, so the outcome was not fantastic. But the game was good. I mean, the the closeness of the game was good, and apparently Mm -hmm. the second game ended up the same way. So It was interesting. It was 21-21 at half. Like, Washington was in control early. Yes. Texas battled (laughs) back. There was a muffed punt that – that Washington had that helped Texas rally back. It was 21-21. And then Washington, the second half was just better. And then all of a sudden, like, you're just like, they're milking the game, trying to run the clock out. And then Washington, Texas all of a sudden goes out and scores. And you're like, what the heck? And then they get the ball back with like 50 seconds left and they got to go the length of the field. But then they got a, they, they uh, had a a 15 yard penalty on a catch kick, uh, punt catch interference. They got them 15 extra yards. And then, Quinn Ewers made just two f- couple just phenomenal throws. And they got all the way down to the 12 with like 20 seconds left. Oh my gosh. And they went they went out, like stopped everyone. And uh boy, it was it was a wild finish. Very wild finish. It, those games were good. There's there were some others. Uh, you know, I, I thought that the um the the Western Kentucky Old Dominion game was insane. It was 35-7, I think, at one point in time. It was 28-7 at halftime. Old Dominion was winning, and they lost in overtime. That was a nutty, nutty <laughs> game. The biggest nightmare game for me was Northwestern and Utah. That was that was probably one of the ugliest games I've ever seen in my life. That was just brutally, brutally bad football. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed – oh, the Missouri-Ohio State game was pretty, pretty awful, too. That was ugly, ugly football. Um, I didn't watch Georgia-Florida State. I just refused. I just refused to watch it. Was it was so bad. I knew it was I mean, I knew it was gonna be bad. I think it was gonna be that bad. Man, so yeah. bad. Uh it was pretty terrible. I mean, look, forget take away the outcome for a second. The Wisconsin LSU game yesterday was very entertaining. It was, back it was. Forth game. It was a very yes, entertaining game. Luke Fickle showed he is not a big time coach. Yes, I'm sorry. He did. There are multiple times where he's just like you're con- you're 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 coaching like a guy that's not trying to win the game. And um you know, they just they made some bad defensive calls in that game as well. But it was a very entertaining game to watch. I mean, it's a very it's kind of what you want bowl games to be. It was, 
Honestly, yesterday was a fourth. Yesterday was a great day of watching football. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it was pretty great. But my favorite bowl game of all of them was the forty to eight victory by Notre Dame over Oregon State. John A one, thanks for the super chat. Can you rank the G's guards? I'm assuming mm-hmm. returning in 2024, based on your opinion of project to be the best next year. Project to be the best next year. Um, so he's not asking us to say who like who has the best pimp walk. On the, um, who's the G's? Who's the who's real the G's? G's? I want to know who the G's uh, are. Uh, the guards. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd have to put Billy Shrouth at the top. I, I'll tell you what, I, I would have liked to have seen Rocco Spindler with a full off season because Rocco had some rough moments this year, but Rocco also had some really good moments this year, Vince. And I would have liked to have seen him with a full off season, but I can't put him in there now. 320 pound guy with coming off a late season, knee injury. It's just not a good recipe for being ready to be the starter day one of the season. Sure. Uh, I mean, look, I still got to put Pat Coogan number two, cause the experience, but you know, look, you know, the guy that I really think could have the best chance to, to put a job, job next year. I don't know if you're going to agree with this Vince of uh, the guys playing guard right now. It's Sam Pendleton. Like that kid really impresses me, dude. Like, he is and and like you you see him and he's just kind of got that country boy kind of body to him. You know what I mean? Like just he's he's really reshaped his body well, but he's still just kind of that just big country boy type of body type that you're and he just he just wants to fight f- right way, you know, football wise. Right, right, right. He wants to hit, he wants to strike, he wants to blow you off the ball, he wants to kind of embarrass you a little bit, and then he's a yes sir, no sir kid off the field. It's like he's kind of what you expect a Notre Dame offensive lineman to be. Big, physical, punishing, right. polite, right, friendly. You know what I mean? Sure. A uh, great student. And then another kid that I'm keeping my eye on, too, that just it may be a situation where it's like this kid's too good to leave a tackle, could be Sullivan Absher. That'd be another one that I would look at and say, okay. those are kids that are that are on my radar to, to, to maybe have a chance to compete next year for a starting job. But, I mean, you're going to have to beat Pat Coogan out, right? Like, this isn't a deal where I'm advocating for just play the more talented player now and then roll with it. They're going to have to They're gonna have to have give them a reason to not play Pat Coogan next year, in sure. my opinion. Same with Billy Shrouth. I mean, look, I think Billy's a starter, but Billy's going to have to play better, too. I mean, than he did. I expect him to because, again, he only had three starts under his belt. But he's going to have to play better, too. I just think he's going to take a bigger jump next year. But – yeah, I'm, Sam Pendleton and Sullivan Absher are two guys that you're just like. Could you imagine Sullivan Absher and Charles Jagasaw playing side by side, or 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 even Charles Jagasaw or Sam Pendleton? Like, hey, it's third and one. Where are you running? Everyone in the stadium knows where we're running. We're running to the left, and it doesn't matter. There's nothing you're gonna be able to do about it. You know what I mean? Because we're gonna put Eli Raritan or Cooper Flanagan on the outside of Charles Jagasaw, and then you have Jagasaw and and, Pen, and uh, Pendleton or Jagasaw and Absher, and and I'll put Keedron Young in the game. And you know, and just be like, good luck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I'm running read zone off of it with Riley Leonard. Good luck stopping us on third and one is the way I'd look at it if I'm an OC. But yeah, it gets me a little fired up. Yeah, for good reason. Real fired up. Yeah, no doubt. Good question, John. Very good question. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, Quinn, would Michigan have matched up more favorably against Texas than they do to Washington? It's same, similar to me. I mean, right. it, there's areas where I think Texas matches up better against Michigan, and there's areas where I think Washington matches up better against Michigan. Like I have a buddy of mine calls me. He's just Some people are just so paranoid. Love the <laughs> It's just like Michigan winning it all would just be horror to him, and it is to me too. I, I still don't fathom how there are some Notre Dame fans that were rooting for Michigan yesterday. I was Seriously? like, nuts. Oh, yeah, on our board. It's nuts wow. to me. And uh, okay, But it's just – He's like, you know, oh, there's some matchups, man. And I'm like, dude, you and I have been having this argument for two months. Every week, literally, Vince, every week for the last two months, this guy's been telling me this is the weekend Washington gets beat. Like, at what point in time do you just admit you were wrong about Washington? <laughs> but there's right. some matchups that really favor Michigan. Yeah, and there's some matchups that favor. Like, there was a guy on the message board that said he didn't think Washington was going to be able to throw at all on Michigan. Like, what are you watching? What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't see like, that. How do you, you know, it is what it is. But there's there's some areas where Michigan has a map, matchup advantage and there's where Washington does. I think overall, I think Washington matches up better because if it came down to it, and I liked what I saw from Quinn Ewers this year, but when it comes down to it, I trust Michael Penix more than I trust him. And here's the other thing. Michael Penix has played in the Big Ten. He knows the Big Ten. He That's knows true. That's a good point. He's you know that league. And and um and so did Kalen DeBoer. He was in Indiana not that long ago. So uh I'm 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 excited about what um what they can be. Nice. My dad just texted me. He's at the he's at the store finally buying his first pistol. I'm very excited. I've been trying to get him to do it for over a month now. So he just texted me while I'm doing the show. Um but yeah, I I think Washington. I I think Texas. Now to the question of would Texas have matched up better against Michigan than Washington? Yes, because the one weakness Washington has had all year event or Texas had all year events pass defense, and I don't know that Michigan could have hurt them the way that 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 Washington did. Right? I mean that's and Texas is really good at up the middle on off defensive line. And I think they could have played with Michigan up front, but I, I think Washington matches up better against Michigan than Texas does overall thoughts. I don't know Texas and Washington that well, so I don't okay. want to jump in and really give a solid okay. opinion on this. You watch way more all college good. football than I do. So all good. You know. I don't have five kids. <laughs> I just and, love watching and, Michael Penix play the game. And it's my job. So. <laughs> well, there's that. Not yours. Uh, Tommy says, how would you rate and rank the quarterback play in the New Year's Six playoff? Uh, where would Angeli's game fit into that ranking? It doesn't. 
because <laughs> it's a completely different game than than those others. I mean, Steve did some really nice things in the bowl game. There's no doubt about it. But with all due respect, there wasn't the pressure on him that there was on Jalen Milrow or Quinn Ewers or the other quarterbacks that were out there. Now, I'll tell you this. If Florida State's coach is, has half a brain, I would much rather have Steve Angeli than Brock Glenn. Like, no doubt about that one. I would have rather have Steve Angeli than Tate Rodemaker, to be honest with you. Steve Angeli is a, is a good quarterback. He's just not championship quarterback, but neither of those guys either. Um, the other New Year's Six games, Vince, I mean, Bo Nix was phenomenal. I mean, mm-hmm. like really good. Notre Dame fans are losing their minds and, and coming at us because we didn't think a guy that threw for 236 yards against the number eight two, number 84 pass defense and a team that was missing half their starting defense and, you know, we're haters. Did you watch Bo Nix against Liberty? Did you watch him go 28 of 35 for 363 yards and five touchdowns in the Fiesta Bowl? And didn't play the three quarters of the fourth quarter? Exactly. Exactly. Like, that was electric. That Mm -hmm. was really, really good. Um, You know, the Peach Bowl, that was actually a really entertaining game, and it ended the way that I'd hoped I'd ended it. But Jackson Dart was phenomenal. I mean, 379 yards, three touchdowns, ran for another touchdown against a much better defense than Notre Dame played in a bigger game than what Notre Dame played. So, I mean, there was some great quarterback play in this poll season. Miller Moss for USC was freaking amazing. He actually played really well. I was He was amazing. Yeah, in that he game. played well. I mean, like the last touchdown pass that he threw when Louisville was trying to come back, where they, they blitzed him, and he throws just a, a, a seam ball off his back foot. And I'm like, holy crap. I didn't know that kid had him in it, had it in him. He threw for 372 yards and six touchdowns. I'm like, I didn't think that dude had it in him. And, of course, the whole game I'm still telling myself, how the heck did we freaking lose to Jack Plummer? How the heck did they lose to that freaking guy? Seriously. Then you watch and you're like, okay, but he didn't have Jamari Thrash. They didn't have the Jordan kid at running back. Didn't matter. Still Jack Plummer. But still, I come back to how the freaking heck did you lose to Jack Plummer? When we were going into that game, we as an IB staff, and we are talking about the game and we're doing our predictions. If you would have told me what is one absolute you have going into the Louisville-Notre Dame game, it was that there's no chance that Jack Plummer could beat Notre Dame. Yeah. Like that was my absolute. No. It was like there's, there, no, it's not going to happen. I'm with you. There were some great quarterback playing in this. I mean, Jason Bean in the against UNLV. I mean, kid threw for 449 yards and six touchdowns through three picks. There's some really great quarterback play, and Steve Angeli played really well in that game. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Steve, but I mean, it's it. I mean, you're. Michael Penix went out and threw for four, 300, what's a 430 yards in a playoff game. Like, come on, man. That's just right. That's just a different level of stuff right there. You know who else played really well in his bowl game? It was the night we did the IB get together. Avery Johnson played really well for Kansas State. Kansas State, yeah. Yeah, he played really well. Passed for 178 yards and two touchdowns, ran for 71 yards in the touchdown. He's a true so, freshman. He's going to be a good player. I mean, there's 12 quarterbacks, right, in the New Year's Six? Yeah. So. I'm not. I'm sitting there and rank them all. Um, no, no. I mean, just like ballpark. He's in the bottom third. Who? Steve Angeli. That's but, I mean, it's unfair to say that because he didn't play in the New Year's Six. That's also true. You know, I mean, and it's like we don't know how he would have handled 
a, a bigger moment. For all we know, if the moment was bigger, Steve might have played even better. Okay. I, I, I don't that's know the fair. answer to no, that. That's fair. That's fair. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, it's unfair to even have that conversation because the moment was different. Yeah. I mean, I could sit there and say, like, look, I mean, he didn't play as well as Jackson Dart. He didn't play as well as Michael Penix. He didn't play well, you know, as, 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 you know, I'm trying to think through some other. Um, well, he, I'll say this. He definitely played better than anybody in the Cotton Bowl. Hmm. That's for darn sure. I mean, so you can at least put him there. Yeah. You know, he, he played way better than the kids in the Cotton Bowl. That's not even close. That was the first New Year's Six game. That was terrible football. And he definitely played better uh, than, than, um, than Brock Glenn. You know, his numbers were better than Carson Beck, but Carson Beck didn't need to do anything in that game. You know, I mean, you know, he played half the game. It was 42 to three at halftime. So it's just unfair to compare it. And, and look, Steve played really well. And just let's just leave it at that and stop trying to compare him to what Michael Penix did and all that. And again, he didn't have the pressure on him that, that Quinn Ewers had last season. So well, he, he had better numbers of Quinn Ewers. He was playing on a much bigger stage against a much better team. Yeah, that's you can't even. It's no. not even comparable. No. You know, and um, so it's just it's just it's hard to say, but there's really good quarterback playing the bowl season. There's no doubt. Really good quarterback play. Go ahead and read the question, but my answer is gonna be no. Uh can you expand? This is Tommy again. Can you expand on the offensive offensive on the offensive uh, offensive yeah. performance yeah. by Ohio State and Missouri? Was that worse than the two dollar taco and sushi? No, that was worse. Oh, that was yeah. worse. Okay. Then a $2 taco and sushi bar to truck stop. You are not wrong, buddy. Can can I expand on it? Yes. Do I want to? No, and I'm not gonna because that was embarrassing. That was. Vince, you, you texted me the perfect response, and we'll leave it at that. This set offensive football back a decade. That's what <laughs> Vince texted me during the game, and he was spot on. That was terrible, and I don't want to talk about it any further. <sighs> so I really don't. That one was bad. That, that, was one awful. Was, that one was awful. And bad. I don't want to hear about who wasn't in the game. And all Doesn't matter. Crap. Doesn't matter. You know. The game plan for those guys was terrible. Yeah. Would I trade Steve Angeli for Devin Brown as a five-star recruit? Heck no. Heck no. no. Yeah, no. Same no. class. Heck nothing no. I, nothing I saw from either quarterback for Ohio State would I take him over uh, Steve Angeli. No. no chance. No. Well, so one's a sophomore, one's a freshman. I'll put it like this. I would not take Devin Brown over Steve Angeli. I would not take the kid from uh, Idaho over Kenny Minchie. Okay, there you go. I think that's more fair. That's okay. Yep, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Aiden uh, says, what did we think about Hartman's comments about letting us down this year? He might have, but man, he is classy. I think all he said was that he let them down by not playing in the bowl Correct. game. Correct. Correct. Yeah, he was talking about the bowl season. game. Yeah. yeah. I mean. It's Okay. He's a smart kid. He's a nice kid. I have no issue with Sam. I think Sam's a good kid. Sam was completely bought into Notre Dame this year. I got no beef with him. He just didn't play well. Right. As simple as that. And at times. And yeah, yeah, it'd have been nice to see him in a bowl. I would have much rather had, I mean, I I, I didn't like that he chose not to play. I didn't like the circumstances in which I was told he chose not to play. I I don't like the fact he originally told him he was going to play and then decided not to. But at the end of the day, it worked out well because you got a chance to see Steve Angeli. Yeah. And Steve got that. I mean, because like here's the thing: what if Riley Leonard gets hurt in the first game next year? It's going to be good that Steve got this kind of because it's not just about the game. It's the it's the month of preparation where he's the guy. Sure, he has to live in that spotlight for you know several weeks, and and 
that's good experience for him right in that situation so to me Agreed. it's good that he didn't play so the end result i'm good with i just didn't like the na- the manner in which we got there that's that was more of my issue with with um because if sam would have just said from day one hey i'm not playing the bowl game i'd have been like hey man appreciate you yeah you know i think you you tried your hardest it just wasn't just didn't work out right and that's how i'll, I'll still feel that way about sam i i I was so impressed with how much he did buy in. I mean, he came to the bowl game, and you could see the way the players reacted to him, that there's a lot of respect there, both ways, mutual respect there going both ways. And I always respect that. It just wasn't good enough from a production standpoint. Sure. It doesn't mean that, you know, you tear the kid down, which I'm seeing some people do, and he's not a Notre Dame guy. That That's nonsense. That's nonsense. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nothing about he just, what he, he just did. Didn't, he didn't play well enough. Notre Dame guy. Exactly. He just, as simple as that. Now, most Notre Dame fans would disagree with that sentiment because I think most Notre Dame fans really appreciated the buy-in that Sam had this year. Right? It just, he wasn't good enough. Simple as that. Right. He wasn't good enough. USMA 87, did you happen to notice the OSU DB catch phase on on a 55-yard play? That DB can motor. Well, he, he can. A good angle. He, he can. Good, Two good things. Angle. Number one is from the minute the ball left his hand, he was on a dead sprint. Correct. Jordan had to slow down and then Correct. accelerate back up. That right. factored into it. And the other thing is Jordan's not a burner burner either. But, yeah, that kid that kid covered well, a lot he of got- ground. He covered about two thirds yeah. of the field. Well, um, they did the same thing on the Jadarian Price one. I thought he was gone at first, and that yeah. safety had a good angle, and he ended up getting to him because because we know Jadarian can run. But yeah, that, that those safeties covered a lot of ground on. They those did because I think it was different no, kids. Did. It was I think Cooper was the second one, and then uh, the Ola oh, Ola Depato kid was the one that caught Jordan on the first one. But yeah, C had to slow as he as he's slowing down to catch that ball. That kid's on a dead sprint to get right. over top. So. But, yeah, it was a great hustle play by that kid. Tom Flavin, have followed college football since 1953 and trying to remember when I've seen a better college passer than Penix. Any suggestions? Joe Burrow, easily. I love what Michael Penix did this year. He had a great year. He did. It doesn't even sniff what Joe Burrow did in 2019. Doesn't even sniff. I mean, there's no... Joe Burrow completed 76.3% of his passes. Michael Penix completed 66.7. Uh, Michael Penix threw for this season is thrown for 4,900 yards. Let me actually, let me pull up Michael's numbers. The team, he threw for 4,648 yards and 35 touchdowns, 9.2 per attempt. Joe Burrow passed for 5,671 yards, 10.8 yards per attempt. Michael Penix had 35 touchdowns this year, nine interceptions. Joe Burrow had 60 touchdown passes and six interceptions. Yeah. Like, the, and, and I love Michael Penix. It's not even close. I mean, somebody made a point like he, he threw for 430 yards yesterday. I mean, Michael Penix in four quarters. Joe Burrow threw for over 490 and didn't even play but a series in the second half. Like, against Oklahoma in the playoff game. And then he was also pretty freaking good against Clemson in the championship game. He threw for 463 yards and five touchdowns, 9.4 yards per attempt against Clemson in the title game. That he went 28 of 38 for 349 yards and four touchdowns, 9.2 attempt against Georgia in the SEC title game. 
Like that guy was insanely good that year. Against Bama that year, he went 31 of 39 for 393 yards and three touchdowns. Like he was insane. I've never seen anything like what he did that year. And it just puts into context how good he's been. Because if Michael Penix throws for 500 yards in the championship game, he'll get to 5,200 yards, which means he's still 400 yards short of what Joe Burrow did. <laughs> in order to tie him from, t- he'd have to throw 25 touchdowns in the championship game to tie Joe Burrow. 25. That's yeah, not happening. You know what I mean? Like it was insane. It was insane. Um, somebody asked how he compares to Jimmy Clausen, pure mechanics. J- he's, I mean, he's he's a little, he's better off platform than Jimmy was. A um, little quicker, little quicker release than Jimmy, but not by a ton. But he has a much stronger arm than Jimmy had. And he's a better athlete in the pocket. I mean, like, he doesn't get enough credit for his pocket mobility. There was that one throw Vince yesterday. He kind of, like, sidesteps a pass rusher real quick and snaps it off over the middle. He he does that stuff real calmly that people don't notice how good he is in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. He Just as a passer, he he he's exceptional. Right? I mean, he was the best passing quarterback in college football this year, with all due respect to Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback – when you take the entirety of the whole game, because Jaden was also a thousand yard rusher. Right. Right. But as far as just a passer, he was clearly the best, but it wasn't even close to how good Joe Burrow was two years ago. In my opinion, Vince thoughts. Agree. agree. Nope. I'm with you. The Joe Burrow thing is we're going to be comparing guys to Joe Burrow for a long, long time because not, there's not going to be, it's just not even fair. It, it's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. Exactly it almost right. like kind of cheat takes away from how great right. a guy has been. Like Michael Penning's been great this year, but it's like, let's just enjoy his greatness and not compare it right. to what was the most absurd season I've ever seen in my life from Joe Burrow. Just absolutely absurd. Levi Perez thoughts on both semifinal college CFP games. I mean, I think Michigan was clearly the better team in that game. I mean, I like, tweeted about the it. only reason it was were. even close is because Michigan made some really dumb special teams mistakes. Yep. If it wasn't for that, that game's probably not all that close, Vince. Yep, I agree. You know, and I and I know everybody's banging on Tommy Reese for that terrible play call at the end of the game, which I agree was a bad play call. But it's kind of like the game never should have got there. I mean, they just got outplayed the whole game. I mean, they really did. And I th- I thought it was going to be a blowout the other way because first play of the game it's like he gets picked off. I was like, oh, you know, here like, we go. Yep, roll, roll blowout. Yeah, oh, and absolutely. it was the right call. I mean, he stepped out. Oh, it was. He, I mean, yeah, it was the right no, call. Totally. Yeah. Um, because like I, the first replay, I'm like, oh, he's in bounds. He he's definitely in bounds for the pick. Like it should be a pick. And then I went. They showed another replay. And you're like, oh, he stepped he out. And then yeah. they showed the referee throwing the hat. You're like, yeah, which was he the right out. call. It was the right call. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean it was it was a hard it was a hard fought game. I thought Michigan's early game plan with how they used their backs out of the backfield in the pass game was really good. Yeah, and they were always just kind of one step ahead of Bama. And if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot, I'm telling you that game is not. I mean, it's it's probably it might have still ended 27-20, but it would have been like 27-20 where Bama scores at the end to make it 27-20, kind of like the the Washington Texas game, like Texas scored and they made it closer, but you know it was very clear. For most of the game, that Washington was a better team, but you know they made their own mistakes to let Texas stay in. They had to muff the punt that allowed Texas to get a score and all that. But, um, yeah, yeah, he he was he was so so, so 
I just don't understand. Like some people just like love to argue for some reason. Uh, with all due respect, never. I'm not even gonna get into it. I'm just. I'm not even gonna get into it. Just whatever. If you want Jaden, if you think Jaden Daniels is a better passer than Michael Penix, then good for you. We'll just agree to disagree and leave it at that. I'm glad I got the comments turned off. All right, yeah. John A1 says after watching Blake Fisher the last seven games in 22, why was he worse in 23? Why did Zeke Carell revert from time to time to what we saw under Quinn? Uh, they got worse this year. Well, just there was a, a constant. There were constant issues with footwork this season. That's my biggest issue with Coach Coach Rudolph. Even in the, the last three games, that's still my one beef. They stop their feet on contact way too much. They'll come off hard and then hit, Vince, and then stop and, and not drive through contact. Ashton Cray can get away with that because he's longer and a little bit more athletic. Zeke can't. Zeke can't get away with that. He's got to drive his feet through contact. He's got to play with better pad level. I think with Blake Fisher, just as a focus problem, Blake doesn't focus. That, that you know, yeah. And hey, uh, ninety-nine problems. I'm not bringing up your mailbag question. You're gonna have to rewrite that one. Um, I'll just leave it at this, Vince. He spelled Michael. Pe- he spelled Penix wrong, and in a way that I'm not pulling it up on the screen. Oh. So if you want me to pull the the uh, the it up then gonna, yes i was yeah. gonna say i've been misspelling his name all season but not that way yeah yes you have <laughs> you gave me a hard time for yes, that my, my pick yeah yes you have uh, so yes, anyway i understand what you're saying all right here we go broke neck boy championship predictions reaction to the two bowl games and were they top five college football playoff games Jim saying JJ is the best quarterback in Michigan in college football. Of course he says that. Oh, He's his head coach. Char- like, Charlie Weiss also said that Brady Quinn was better than Tom Brady. So, I mean, what's he supposed to say? Right. I mean, I, I just would rather him not say anything about it. Right. To be honest with you. But whatever. I don't care. Um, I mean, they were two of the best semifinal games we've ever had. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I thought the Michigan game was very – even with the sloppiness, it was still – I mean, it was a very sloppy game. Bad snaps, missed PATs, muffed punts. Sure. turnovers it was a sloppy game but it was also a a good game there was there was the guys were being physical guys were making stepping up and making plays i mean there's a lot to like about that game the washington texas game was a way better game way better coach teams like not as many self-inflicted wounds uh but there were some like i said washington had their own muff punt that allowed texas to get a score and tie the ball game up but um they were two good games were they two of the best ever i yeah i mean most semifinal games have been pretty crappy Neither was as good as the Ohio State-Georgia game from last year. Like, that was a better game. And I, Honestly, I'll say, I think last year's semifinal games were even better. I mean, they were just, they were, they were, I mean, great games. Just phenomenal games, Vince. Yeah. These were also very good, though. But, I mean, you had, what, it was a five-point five point game and a one-point game last year. Both teams had the ball with a chance to win at the end. Also true this year. Yeah. It just... Last year's two games were better than this year's because the Michigan-Alabama game was just really sloppy. Still a very good game, very entertaining game, but just a very sloppy game. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, 2021 or 2021, the playoff games were kind of um, – I mean, I'm, I'm trying to – I've kind of blocked 2021 out of my mind a little bit. Yeah, Georgia-Bama game and the title game was kind of eh. You had – 
Georgia Michigan was a boring game. Alabama Cincinnati was a boring game. 2020 semifinal games were both blowouts. Uh, 2020, 2019 Ohio state Clemson game is in my top five for playoff games. So that was better than both of the games last night, in my opinion. Uh, So they're in the top five right now. The other playoff game that year was a god-awful blowout. It was LSU and Oklahoma. 2018, both playoff games, both semifinal games were kind of anticlimactic. The Oklahoma game was an okay game, but you never thought they were going to lose. Bama was going to lose. 17, the semifinal game sucked. Um, Clemson had no chance against Bama. Uh, Georgia, who did Georgia beat? Oh, you know what? That's another, that's the greatest semifinal game ever right there. 2017, Oklahoma, Georgia. The one with the overtime that Oklahoma won 54, that was a 54-48. To me, that was the best semifinal game ever. Uh, 16, the semifinal games were terrible. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that the Michigan game is not top five. The Washington-Texas game was. I'd go Bama, Georgia, or I mean, uh, Bama, Oklahoma, 2015 or uh, 2017. I'd go Ohio State, Michigan, or Ohio State, Georgia last year, number two. Ohio State, Clemson, 2019, number three. I'd go TCU, Michigan last year, number four, and then Texas, Washington last night, number five. That'd be my five. Okay. All right, 99 problems. If Mike Denbrock is 80% of what we all think, then that will be worth 7 to 10 points in the big games easily. I also suspect it's worth a few points off the scoreboard for the opposing team too. Um, Actually, I'll disagree with the last part because I think what's going to happen is, is if Notre Dame is just blowing people out as much as you can, then you're going to get some late touchdowns. They're going to add points, just like we kind of saw this year. Tom. And you're going to get quick scores, which is going to allow more possessions for the, yeah. for the other I could, teams. Exactly. Offense. I could see the defense kind of being about the same next year, maybe give up slightly more points by a point you know, or two because it's 38 nothing when you pull your starters and they put two touchdowns on at the end sure. of the game. You know, Oregon State game is a perfect example. Man, they couldn't even cross midfield. Oh, my gosh. They, they couldn't sniff it. Out, yeah. Right? And then, and then it took like, a pretty amazing catch also, by right. the way, on pretty good coverage by Chance Tucker to score right. that touchdown. But right. either way. So, right. yeah, I mean, I, I think if anything, if they're if he's as good as we think, it's actually going to – we're going to – they're going to see – you're going to see Notre Dame blowing teams out even more, and you're going to give up more second-half points because of it. Right. So uh, the ones that it, won't matter, but it would be interesting work. to see. Yeah. It, I mean, and, and look, it's going to be kind of hard to take that many points off of what Notre Dame did this year. I mean, this, they had the seventh best scoring defense in college football this year, as I think is where they were. Let me just look that up real quick. Notre Dame scoring defense this year. Yeah. They were seventh in college football this year, sixth amongst power five teams in scoring. You take a touchdown off of that. You're talking about giving up eight points a game. Nobody, nobody like less than 10 points a game. No, we haven't seen a team give up less than 10 points a game since I think Bama did that early in the decade. Um, no, even that, even that, yeah, 2011 Bama is the last time we saw a team give up single digit points to take a touchdown off of Notre Dame's total. Even if you just do six points, not even the next point they're going to do something. I've seen, I don't expect them to be that good. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't expect them to be that good. Very good. But right. it may not show up as statistically as well as it did this year because, sure. you know, kind of what we had said before. Good, good thoughts, though. 
I do agree. Mm-hmm. I, we I do agree with the first part. I, Ten points is not going to happen. Again, like we need to set expectations a little bit more realistically. They're not going to score forty nine points a game next year. No, he's saying in the big games. The big game, okay, big games. So like um, the three, the three losses this yeah. year, they average like twenty points a game. Yeah. So he's saying they yes, could average big games twenty seven yes. thirty. And that's the other thing too. Is is now I didn't read that part. So the the taking a touchdown off defensively could definitely happen in the big games, like not giving up thirty one like they did to Clemson, Fair. not giving up thirty. That is very true because you're going to possess the ball longer. I didn't, read, I didn't see the big part, big games part. When you look at just the big games, easily touchdown off a team's board point board, if not ten points. So yes, I will say yes to that. I sorry I missed that. I def, totally totally missed that. But yes, I could definitely see that, Vince. Like in the big games, seven sure. to ten in the big games plus seven to ten off, hundred percent. So right. all the other crap I just talked about, ignore all of it. <laughs> the answer to this question is yes. If Mike Denbrock is as good as we think, then yes. Oh, that's funny. All the things you said are true. That's Absolutely. Great. My bad. Blue gold matter. How defeating it feels for us Notre Dame fans to have someone like Washington have this super team out of nowhere. Like, how the hell does that happen? It's not out of nowhere. They were pretty darn good last year. Yeah. They First of all, they've been in the playoff before. Correct. And this is their second playoff berth. Right. They also made it two years before Notre Dame made it, number one. This is a team that's won a national championship since the last time Notre Dame won a national. Like, guys, this isn't some, like, no nobody program. Like, Oregon State came out of nowhere and won a title, playing for a title. Right. Or TCU last year, right? Like, this is a big-time program and has been for a while that went 11-2 and last year, Vince, and, and their two losses. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Their two losses last year were by – eight points and seven points to UCLA and Arizona state. I mean, they, they've beaten Oregon three times in the last two years. You know, th- th- this, this shouldn't be a sh- They've beat Texas twice in the last two years. Cause they beat Texas in the postseason last year. So, right. Not a, I picked them to be in the playoff this year. Right. This it's not out of nowhere. Be a surprise to anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, th- like this is a, Kalen DeBoer is now 25 and two since taking over at Washington. Last. This is, I was next this isn't out of nowhere. And it shouldn't be defeating at all, Vince. Right. It should be yeah. encouraging to let you Absolutely. make the right coaching decisions and the right get the right portal quarterback. And you can go from four and eight to playing for the national championship in two years. That, right. That shouldn't be defeating at all. That should be encouraging, in my opinion. Absolutely encouraging. Agreed. Completely. 99 problems if you go position by position, group, QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line. How would you rank them in all of college football heading into next season? That's a tough okay, question. Okay, I'm just going to go real, real. Um, and then his, who would you trade with? Yeah. Alabama, I asked because I wouldn't trade. Um, I'm not going to do the trading thing just yet because I need to study more who everyone else has coming back. And so, and that also is going to be the the position ranking is very loose ranking because it's loose based on a typical season. This is what a top 10, it's kind of like somebody asked a really good question a couple weeks ago about how can you say a guy's a top hundred caliber player if you haven't watched the rest of the players. And it's like, it's a very fair question. It's more of a, this is what a top hundred player tends to look like. Right. You know what I mean? And um it's same thing here. So we'll 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 go 
So I'll just kind of generally what a top 10 unit looks like. Quarterback, um, how would you rank them right now top 10 with the potential to be even better if Riley Leonard gets back to being healthy and is the guy I think he can be. Running back room, top five. Receiver room right now, top 15 with a chance to be top 10. Tight end room, top five. Once Mitch 11 gets back to being healthy. O-line, top 10 with a chance to be top five. That's how I would rank him. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. So running back, tight end, top five. And that goes along with what we said in the earlier parts of the show today. I mean, I think that all is in line. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And and we'll actually do some stuff like this ninety nine as we get closer to the season. Right, we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit more in depth comparing Notre Dame to the rest of college football in this year's uh, lead up. That's gonna be one of the changes that I'm making. Matthew wants to know how many more moves need to be made to meet the scholarship numbers. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but five ish ish. Yeah, depending on how things go. Uh, As we stand today, it's three. But as you said earlier, there's a chance they get one more out of the portal. And then uh, possibly putting a walk on on scholarships that brings it up to five, so they would have to lose five guys. Gotcha. Yep. Right. Yep. That's right. Just wanted to recap that Army seventy two looking at Michigan's success in part a powerful offensive line. Should we place more emphasis on power than versatility? Nothing we passed on recruiting uh, Zinter, but yeah. UM grabbed him. No, I mean, I don't think Notre Dame is sacrificing power for versatility at all. I mean, look, you don't recruit Charles Jagasaw and Gerby Lambert and Sam Pendleton and Sullivan Absher and Ashton Craig and Billy Shrouth if you're sacrificing power for anything. Right. I mean, I don't. I think the issue is more development and the way that they build their team, just a mindset standpoint, that Notre Dame is lacking. But, no, I don't think that they've sacrificed power at all. Now, I believe that's something Joe jo, Jeff Quinn was doing and that's why we saw a lot of guys that were more athletes, Caleb Johnson's, Tosh Baker's, guys like that, Michael Carmody's that were more athletic than they were powerful. Harry Heastan certainly is not doing that, and Joe Rudolph hasn't done that, in my opinion. So it's about a coaching development thing more than it is anything else, in my yeah. opinion. Matt Norton, I know this show is about the offense, but I'm so hyped that Watts is coming back. Notre Dame may very well have the best secondary in the nation next season oh, well they were in the conversation for this year too <laughs> uh obviously the second safety position is going to be the big question mark right now but but you know if we're doing d-line rankings this the secondary is certainly to me a top five secondary going into next season i don't know that they'll get the national love for that sure but that they, they will be because it is not known for that and it's yeah. tough to bust that right that right. preconceived notion i guess the exactly best way to put it Big Jim with a comment that I love, Vince. This is I swear on all that is holy, I will never understand a Notre Dame fan not despising Michigan. I, I had that conversation with somebody yesterday during the game as they're clearly rooting for Michigan. Yeah. And this particular person graduated from Michigan State. Yeah. Worked at Notre Dame and is a Notre Dame fan. What are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Now, like I, I get that that there's I hate the SEC and I understand that, but I don't want Michigan to be the team that you know brings down the SEC dominance, right? I right. mean that's just not what you want to see. Hundred percent. Um, now the the person that I was talking to said that his hatred was more towards he had more of a hatred for Nick Saban. 
for leaving Michigan State. He said he was deserted. That that was his thing. I was like, come on, man. Get over yourself. Come on, man. Yeah. Get over yourself. Michael S. with a super chat. Aside, almost all of Alabama's players have huge trunks. Is that a result of their weight room preference, or do they recruit to that look? What's both? I mean, you're 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 building you're recruiting big body types. Sure. And then the weight program adds to those body types, maximizes those body types. But yeah, you're recruiting bigger players. Like Harry Heastan started to do last year with Charles Jagasaw, Summon Absher. I mean, look, four of your five biggest offensive linemen this year, or three of your four biggest offensive linemen this year on your roster were true freshmen. Right. That that's that's you're recruiting a different body type. And <laughs> and yeah. Right. Peter Jones and Gerby Lambert and you know those those guys you're you're adding to that you're adding to that absolutely thanks for the super chat though Michael yes, absolutely man appreciate you appreciate you very yeah. much Tommy Guns just yes or no from a player standpoint has there been any addition by subtraction so far from this portal opt out season yes and I'll just leave it at that I don't want to I don't want to disparage certain players but yes there are some attitudes that are gone yep. Uh, from, you know, the transfer portal that you're going to be better off not having those attitudes. And I'll just leave it at that. It's fair. Um, I think I know what guy. you're talking yep. about. Yep. We'll go and we'll just leave that. it at that. Yep. And he also all he wanted. He all he wanted was a yes or a no. And that's right. all you're going to get. You are, you are you're correct. T. Smith, what went wrong with OSC O-line in their game? I felt like OSU fans need to apologize to McCord. Oh, y- okay, yes, so they this do. This is Ohio yeah. State. There's so yeah. many OSUs that we've had to deal with lately, so I wasn't sure yeah. if we were talking Oregon State or whatever until you got to the McCord part. Yeah. So. Yeah, I. Uh, they absolutely do. Well, actually, they don't. Because, like, I just this whole, you need to apologize. I'm so over that. Like, like you don't have to apologize for having an opinion about sports. <laughs> you know, like, guys, let's, you know, come on. Uh, if you talk about someone disparage their character and you're wrong yeah you apologize for that not thinking kyle mccord's not a very good quarterback it's not something you have to apologize for even if you get to prove to be wrong it's a freaking sports opinion i don't apologize for sports opinions um but i understand where you're coming from i think he's being a little sarcastic it's just that's the thing that kind of triggers me a little bit uh but yes vince uh, i don't know if vince is paying attention anymore you locked in okay um, I, I'm, I'm actually texting Sean about the show tonight. Gotcha. Tell, tell Sean he can hold on until we're done with this show <laughs> and then you guys can deal with the next show. Uh, it's done start for almost two hours. So you'll have time. Uh, but, um, the old line Vince that it just, is kind of thing that happened to them all year. They just, they kind of got their butts kicked. They're just not very talented and they're not coached very well. And Archer in the chat was kind of talking about Justin Fry and it's like, it didn't, it, it's they're They're not big fans, but I mean, you can only do like you can only do so much when you don't have talent, and they don't have a lot of talent. They have some. Diamond Jackson's very talented. I think Carson Hinsman's going to be a really good player someday. But like their left tackle, you and I talked about this over the summer, dude. Josh Simmons from San Diego State—that's that he ain't it, right? Like y'all are throwing y'all are throwing stuff up against the wall and hoping it sticks. That that's the difference, right? So, and and, and also I think the other thing too is this is a Ryan Day problem that he just does not create a culture of toughness. And when you play teams like that are that, that are motivated or physical or whatever, you're just not, you can't just turn that switch on. So Ryan day can blame whoever he wants for all these issues. Ryan day needs to look in the mirror and blame himself 
And if I'd get as pissed at myself as I did at Lou Holtz, maybe I might actually not keep getting my brains bit in by Michigan. Maybe. Just a thought. Doubtful, but yeah. Yeah. Yep, I think you're right. I don't think I, I don't. He doesn't strike me as someone who has that kind of uh, <laughs> self realize, you know, self no. uh, reflection enough. Self. It's gonna be a rough year next year for Ohio State. I'll just I say have that. a feeling. I have a feeling. All right. Uh, they could not beg a portal quarterback to come there. I know and that's the craziest thing. They Man. like nobody gave them a sniff. Like they might end up with Will Howard, who just got benched for Avery Jack Johnson, Man. a true freshman. Good luck, Ohio State. That, like I would love to play Ohio State next year, but as mm-hmm. whatever, it is what it is. Yep, we've had this one. Oh yeah, sorry, it's all good. Uh, Nathan, Brian, and Vince, thoughts on the Northwestern nickel slash safety target Ron Hurd? Rod is actually, I believe it's Rod, right. isn't it? No, I, you 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 said what he said, but let me let me just check here real quick to make sure that that's correct because I I could be wrong, but I believe it's Rod. Yeah, it's Rod Hurd. Um, well, he's a safety target, not a nickel target from what I'm told. And so, uh, I've got to watch more film on him. I I don't love him as a nickel. I, he get he gets beat a lot. Um, he's not a great cover guy, but he's a smart kid, decent quality athlete, uh, good size, 5'11", 185, 190. As a safety, there's value there. As a nickel, there's not. And so... Um, uh, that's, that's more of a, a statement of, of that's not a good sign that that's the best safety target on the board for Notre Dame, yeah. but you know, he's a, so, I mean, look, he played in the big 10 this year, Vince, he had 85 tackles on a pretty quality defensive football team. And so that's why as a safety, I think there's some value there Sure, as a safety, four tackles for loss, four pass breakups, two forced fumbles. There's some value there to that. So I, I feel better about him being a safety target than I do a nickel target. That that was kind of my concern, um, is if you're bringing him in as a nickel and you look at his numbers according to Pro Football Focus, it's really bad, like really bad. Uh, but as a safety, I, I, I like it better. And at least gives you some assurances in case, you know, your young guys aren't ready. Sure. You know, you can slide him in there and, I mean, he – he could be DJ Brown, right? I mean, he could be DJ Brown, but you hope that he becomes what DJ Brown should have been, which is your number three safety, not your number two. Right. But that's going to be determined by how well Adon Schuler and Ben Minnick handle this offseason. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at for that one. But it, it's a, it'd be a solid pickup if they get him. It's not guaranteed that they're going to get him, but I think they're in a pretty good place there. But uh, it's not a needle mover. It's more of a... It's more of a protect yourself kind of move. Sure. Because you're you're relying on so many young guys, in my opinion. But you'd hope that maybe those younger guys step up and play well enough. I'm hoping one of the younger guys steps up and yeah. plays well enough and that he's an insurance policy. But now you only need one, right, Vince? Like if this right. kid's a good player, you only need right. one of those young guys to right. step in. And exactly. Right now you need two, at least two, if not three. So, right, yeah. And I don't know if like Jordan Clark could play some safety. You know, I don't, I don't, I have some doubts about just because of his size. I still, I just don't understand why they're so unwilling to move Clarence Lewis to safety. Seriously, it's right there in front of him. Unless maybe he's the reason. Maybe he doesn't want to that, do it. Yeah, I guess that's that true. could be true, but it's yeah. just like, it's right there. Yeah, man. I don't get it. Like, I really right don't get it. Um, it, I mean, I'm starting to think that maybe Clarence just doesn't want to 
play safety, yeah, which would be well, kind of crazy to me. Because he's it's not like, going to play, period. No, you're not an NFL move. corner, man. I mean, you're just not. You, you, right. you're, you're Notre Dame's fifth corner right now. And you were a starter on a playoff team. Like, that tells you how – I mean, they've quickly they've upgraded. you, right? They've upgraded the but position. as a safety, I think this kid can play. I yes. really do. Because there's one value. limitation. And that's just, and it's the same thing I say about Rod Hurd. My one big knock on Rod Hurd is he's just not really good in coverage. As a just line up and cover a guy, like, on the you know second level as a corner or nickel. But you project that to the second – to the third level, and his, his coverage ability becomes a little – becomes better. And his game projects better. Right. And that's how I feel about Clarence. Maybe he doesn't want to do it, though. Who knows? Yeah, that's definitely possible. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I still, like, man, it, seemed, it just seems like a no-brainer, right? Move should it have been just, made two years ago. Yeah, it really does. I think Jaden Mickey's another guy that could be a really good safety. I highly doubt he has any desire to go say, to safety. But as physical as Jaden is, I could see Jaden being, a, a, a like, an Alohi Gilman type of safety. Yeah, I, I – I could. I think he'd be really good there. You just can't move him away from corner, though. Exactly. Right. I mean, he's that's, one of your that's, three best corners, right? And I think he could be the starting nickel, so right? Like, that, exactly. I think and moving that's a cross train that'd be a little easier. You. Yeah. 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 But, At corner. Yes. Yeah. Because then, one, if your one of your guys goes down, and now you got to, you've had right. him deprogrammed from playing corner. It's right. easier to go from safety to or from nickel to corner and corner to nickel than it is to go from safety to corner, right? Corner to safety. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. If Ryan Barnes had panned out, I think maybe then you could have justified maybe moving Jaden Mickey. But right now, I, you know, like you'd have, you'd have your two starters in Christian Gray and Benjamin Morrison and then Chance Tucker. And then after that, it's Micah Bell who may, maybe he, he could step up and then the freshman. Yeah. And, and you're now you're in the same boat. You kind of are at safety. Or you just you don't know what's right. there because they're young. Too many un, too many question but marks. Mike Micah Bell having a big offseason could maybe change some things about that. Because if you get his speed in the lineup is a nickel or a third corner, then okay, now now you're now you're cooking. Now Christian Gray's the slow guy. Or right. I mean Benjamin Morrison's the slow guy corner at that point in time. Think about that. Yeah. Because I think I think Christian Gray's probably a little faster. And I think that uh Micah Bell's faster than anyone they have on the team. So, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fast. And then we'll end with uh, a super sticker from Jim DeMatteis. I appreciate you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Very, very much, man. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, if that's going to do it, then we appreciate everybody hanging out for the mailbag and for our offensive look at 2023. Remember, we uh, it's going to be Brian's show tomorrow. And then it was going to be Brian and I back on Thursday. We're going to do the same thing we did today, but the defensive side of the football. And then Friday is going to be a free-for-all mailbag. Can't wait. And then uh, we've got Ibe Nation Sports Talk as well all week, except for tomorrow. Uh, Tonight, it's going to be a three-man booth. And then Thursday uh, is going to be Jesse and myself. And then Friday is going to be another three-man booth. So, Lots of content coming your way, so make sure you guys check it out. So uh, Three Man Booth comes your way in about an hour and a half. Uh, in the meantime, I, I just feel like there's a ham sandwich waiting for me upstairs. I'm super fired up about it. But make sure you guys hit the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell. Share with your family and friends. Check out the boards, boards at irishbreakdown.com. And then, of course, irishbreakdown.com as well. Ryan is down in San Antonio for the All-American game. So there's going to be all kinds of fun stuff that we're going to be putting up 
here because uh, he's down there and doing his thing. And um, again, no shortage of info here, folks. So uh, make sure you stay locked in uh, to Irish Breakdown and uh, the Irish Breakdown podcast. So for Brian, I'm Vince, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.